Hey everybody, this is G Marks and welcome to the Paychecks Business Series podcast. I'm glad you're here with us today. We've got a great conversation coming up uh, with both Dan Nato and Megan Jacobson. Both of them are with J.P. Morgan Chase. Dan is an attorney uh, and Arissa lawyer with J.P. Morgan Chase and Megan is on the research side and both of them have a lot of information to share with us about retirement plans, particularly the SECURE Act. If your small business doesn't have a retirement plan, it really is something that you should, you should, you should have. And we're going to give you some good reasons why. Uh, Dan's going to talk about the SECURE Act and some of the interesting benefits in that SECURE Act that can really have a cash impact on your business. So you don't want to miss that. And Megan is going to share with us some data on a recent J.P. Morgan survey about small businesses and their participation in 401ks and some of the things that are not only stopping them, but also encouraging them to create 401ks for their business. So Daniel, Megan, thank you very much for joining me. I'm glad you guys took the time out to uh, to spend the time and, and kind of educate a little bit on 401ks and the SECURE Act. But before we get started, uh, Daniel, let me let me start for you. First of all, tell me, um, you're a managing director at J.P. Morgan. Tell us a little bit about what you do there. Yes, and I'm, I'm actually an ERISA lawyer by profession, but my role at J.P. Morgan is that of an, an ERISA strategist, which means I follow proposed and enacted laws and regulations that relate to the retirement plan world, and I help our clients and our own people understand what they might mean to them. Got it. And you're based in New York, right? Yes, I am. All right. Very good. And Megan, how about yourself? Now, I'm assuming it's Megan and not Meg or Maggie or anything like that, right? Well, I'm the oldest of five kids, so I respond to a variety of things, but <laughs> Megan is just fine. Yeah. I'm saying you probably have responded to a variety of things, but uh, but Megan, um, tell, you're an executive director at J.P. Morgan, right? So what tell us a little bit about what you do there. That's right. And I am based in New York as well. And I head up our U.S. Insights programs focusing on retirements, the markets, and portfolios. Got it. Okay. So you're more on the research side. Is that is that a fair statement to make? That's correct. Okay. So we've got an attorney. We've got a researcher. we got people that know and specialize in 401ks, retirement plans. So let's get to it. Um, Dan, I'm going to start with you. Um, the SECURE Act passed Congress um, I guess a couple of years ago um, at this point, as we're talking right now, um, I, I would love it very much if you could explain to us what the SECURE Act is and how it impacts small businesses. Sure. It, you know, it was indeed a major piece of retirement legislation that passed, yeah, a little over a year ago now at the end of 2019. And unlike a lot of things that happen or don't happen in Congress, this had overwhelming bipartisan support. In fact, when it passed the House of Representatives, it passed by a vote of 417 to 3. Amazing. And, you know, we hadn't seen any significant changes to the laws that govern retirement plans and IRAs for over 14 years prior to the passage of the SECURE Act. So we were definitely overdue for some change. And, you know, for years prior to its enactment, policymakers had been considering ideas for improving Americans' retirement securities. And many of those ideas found their way into the SECURE Act. Uh, and actually, SECURE is actually an acronym for setting every community up for retirement enhancement. So they came up with that nifty acronym. And indeed, there are many provisions in the SECURE Act that will impact nearly every community from individuals 
and businesses, both large and small. So it really quite a number of significant changes uh, were enacted with the SECURE Act. So tell us what type of changes would impact small businesses. You know, there, there were a number and the basic theme for small businesses was how do we encourage more small businesses to set up retirement plans? Because retirement plan coverage among employees of small businesses is not really what it is uh, with those of us who work for rather large companies where nearly uh, all employees who work for really huge companies have access to a retirement plan. Not so in the case of smaller employers. And Congress zeroed in on employers with 100 or fewer employees. And that means a lot of employees and a lot of small businesses. And what they did in the SECURE Act is they enhanced a tax credit for those small employers to help them defray some of the out-of-pocket costs that uh, they would incur when setting up a retirement plan. Uh, as a result of the SECURE Act now, employers can take tax credits of up to $5,000 a year for the first three years that they set up a plan to the extent that they have uh, out-of-pocket costs uh, like uh, costs to uh, administer the plan or costs to uh, pay for record keeping and so on that they're paying out of pocket. So that was really quite, a, quite an enhancement. Uh, the Secure Act also created a, a $500 credit for those same small employers of those with 500 or excuse me, uh, with uh, 100 or fewer employees if they add an automatic enrollment feature to their 401k plan. And automatic enrollment features are very popular. Uh, Congress is trying to encourage more of that. And so they're giving small employers a $500 credit if, if they, they do that. Well, let me let me just stop you right there. So just just to go back over this. So if you've got less than 100 employees and you have no 401k plan at all um, and you, you want to set one up, um, the SECURE Act will give you a $5,000 credit per year for three years that you can apply against your income taxes as a small business owner. Is that a credit, Dan, that, that is it's, it's to reimburse for, for funds that you spent or is that just a flat out? Five thousand a year credit, you know, regardless of what you spent setting up the plan. No, Gene, it actually is a credit against the funds that you shell out out of your pocket as an right. employer to set up a plan in connection with costs such as, uh, you know, the, to pay a record keeper, to pay other service providers, and then really there's kind of a formula that you want to work with your uh, your CPA uh, or other tax preparer to kind of work through a formula because it takes into account the number of employees you have and and so on and so forth. So it's a little little bit uh, a little bit of math involved in figuring. I got it. I got it. But I guess so. It's really kind of designed. The credit is to offset your costs for setting up the plan. So the government is saying like, hey, set up a 401k plan. Um, you'll have a tax credit, so it will not cost you anything to do that. And that's the incentive we're giving you. So I guess that's number one, right? And then there's this, the, the other credit for the automatic enrollment. So does that apply if you have an existing 401k? Like say I've got in my company an existing 401k plan and I want to say, okay, we don't have automatic enrollment. We're going to turn that on. We're going to, we're going to have that feature going for it. Just by doing that, 
Do I get this $500 a year credit for the, for three years? You, you absolutely do. In fact, that's something that I always remind advisors and small employers to don't leave that on the table because that is something that by adding a feature that will benefit your employees, you can get a $500 credit from Uncle Sam. And that's really, really good in existing plans or new plans. Got it. And a, and a couple of things on the $500 enrollment. Now, that's that doesn't seem like a reimbursement of cost because I don't think that really costs an employer anything. You just basically, it's a policy that you just start up, right? So it's almost like a bonus that you're getting for having automatic enrollment. Does that make sense? It makes very much sense. And it's what you said, Gene, is absolutely true. Don't leave that on the table. Right. Add it to your plan. Has nothing to do with any costs uh, that you may incur, which, you, as you say, you probably won't incur costs. Take advantage of it if, if you're willing to add automatic enrollment. Got it. And if you're and if you're you know recommending if 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 you do set up automatic enrollment with a 401k plan uh, in your business, you know the idea is to encourage people to contribute more because it makes it like just again it's automatic, so it's just it's just happening. But but your employees aren't you know required to do it; they can always opt out. Correct. That's absolutely correct. But we know human nature says we typically don't. And if employer is automatically enrolling us, we probably think our employer has our best interests at heart, which most do, of course, we tend to stay in the plan. And as a result, we're saving this, this, uh, the idea of uh, automatic features like automatic enrollment and automatically escalating the amount of my contribution percentage every year. These are things that policymakers have been trying to, to encourage over the last decade or so. Got it. Got it. Is there anything else that pertains, anything significant that pertains to small businesses in this SECURE Act? I'm going to come back to you later and ask you about the future, but uh, is there anything we're missing? Well, there's one other thing, Gene, I'll probably, uh, it's probably worth mentioning. The SECURE Act created a new type of retirement strand, uh, plan structure called a pooled employer plan. Okay. And those just became effective this year, or that part of the law just became effective in 2021. And what these are, are uh, arrangements which will allow multiple employers to band together and participate in a single plan. And by doing so, they can enjoy economies of, economies of scale and offload some of the fiduciary duties uh, to some professionals, uh, 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 and, and therefore they won't have to be responsible for, for certain things. And you know, as I said, this part of the act just became effective this year. So many retirement plan service providers are looking to get into this pooled employer plan marketplace. And, and we expect that this will be an, uh, an area that will develop uh, over, over time. And some employers will be likely interested and in, in, in willing to check these, these arrangements out. Got it. And, if, and to, to, to create like sort of like this pooled employer thing, again, if I'm a business owner, it kind of sounds like the thing I would turn to my retirement plan provider and ask if they're doing that, right? Like I, I'm not going to be going down Main Street knocking on doors and asking people to join my pool provider group, would I? No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's it's the existing retirement plan provider community that is by and large interested in uh, setting up and becoming pooled plan providers. Got it, got it. Megan, you know, I have to ask you, like, the, the, um, um, you, the, the amount of small business owners that, that actually have 401k plans are you know it, it, it's it's really like almost like half in the country or some number like that. I know you've got some data to support this, but it's nowhere near as much as you think. I mean, if you have a small business, um, you know, setting up a four hundred one k plan is really not that expensive to do over the course of time, and there's a lot of benefits for having a retirement plan. 
what do your what does your research show you, Megan, about you know small businesses participating in four hundred one k plans? And I'm kind of curious as to what your thoughts are as to why the participation isn't higher. Yep, and I think that's just a great segue to talk about some of our research because those are the types of questions that we set out to answer last summer when we conducted a survey of small business owners to get their thoughts around how they were offering retirement plans to their employees. And I think in a year when so many small businesses were forced to rethink you know, how they offered goods and services to the marketplace and how they just conducted business in general, what we really heard was optimism. Um, I think on the good news side, um, a large majority were confident that their businesses would survive the current economic client. Um, and nearly half of those that we surveyed did offer a retirement plan. And that was a benefit behind only healthcare. Um, but for those who didn't offer a retirement plan, many of the people that we spoke to talked about there's plans to offer one in the next 12 months, which was really exciting for us to see. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear that. So, you know, but again, you know, why why do you think those so many business owners have been slow to, you know, to offer these kinds of plans? It kind of seems like a no-brainer. We would agree with you that, you know, there, there's certainly um, so many reasons to offer them. And one of our goals with the research was to really overcome some of those misperceptions. Um, when we did talk to small business owners and we asked them why they did offer plans, um, so many of them told us that they felt responsible for their employees across across a range of issues, things like healthcare, work-life balance, financial wellness. The second thing that we heard from small business owners is that they do see the benefits of a 401k plan. Um, the majority of the people who did offer them wanted to help their employees to save. Um, but I think what's critical for those small businesses who aren't offering them today, um, what employees actually see is that this is a really effective um, way to attract talent and also retain the talent that you have today. I think especially in a market where talent matters more than ever, it's critical that small business owners, you know, start to think about investing in their current workforce and offer those competitive benefits to think about attracting new employees to their small business. And, you know, the last thing that I would say is on the employee side themselves, um, most employees, I think, as Dan alluded to earlier, do think that their employer has some degree of responsibility to help them save. About three quarters of them do. And I think what's more we're hearing is that through our collaboration with research partners like the Employee Benefit Research Institute, um, 401k vehicles are actually the only savings vehicle for the vast majority of Americans. And I think that really just underscores the importance of the employer's role in saving. You know, there's one other thing I also, you know, think about as a business owner myself. It's just um, there's a selfish reason, right? I mean, th- if I set up a 401k plan and the more my employees save, the more opportunities I have to put away for my own retirement, correct? Absolutely. I think there's been a ton of advancements in the marketplace um, that have made delivering a 401k a much more realistic option for many small business owners. Um, you, you know, you mentioned cost and helping people save. I think one of the things our research has shown is that the costs of setting these types of plans up have declined pretty significantly in recent years. Um, Dan also mentioned um, tax credits. Um, earlier in the conversation. And I think tax credits were cited by about 30% of the people that we spoke to as another benefit um, of offering 401k plans to their employees. Yeah, it makes, it does make a lot of sense. Okay. So, so Megan, I'm going to put you on the spot. I mean, okay, I want to set up a 401k plan. I don't have a 401k plan. What advice would you give me? 
certainly there are a ton of resources out there um, from the small plan providers themselves. But I think also, you know, a lot of the small business owners that we speak to work with either a financial advisor or a business banker or even an accountant who can help steer them in the right direction. Yeah, and I also think there are so many different providers, uh, you know, your own bank, your financial advisors, your right accountants and attorneys can all get you going. Um, So any advice for me if I'm setting up a 401k plan, what sort of pitfalls I should avoid or, or, you know, mistakes that I don't want to make? It's a great question. And certainly there are pitfalls out there. Again, I think I would just reiterate leaning heavily on your providers. Um, Don't just go with the first one survey or wide variety and you know go to those people that you trust again the the banks the financial advisors um the accountants who can really help you sort through the key differences between each provider hey dan um you know some small business owners have concerns about their fiduciary duties when it comes to these you know 401k plans like how how responsible am i for my employees money well, you, you are indeed a fiduciary if you are an employer that maintains a retirement plan, which means when uh, operating that plan, you have to act in their best interest. Uh, you have to operate it exclusively for their for their benefit. Now, as Megan said, there can be some tangential benefits to the company itself by attracting and retaining good people and keeping them, them happy. But primarily under the federal law, you are a fiduciary and have to uh, you have to act in their best interest and you have to act prudently. You have to investigate uh, uh, investment options and other service providers to make sure that they're of high quality and that the fees are reasonable. There have been a number of lawsuits in the last 10 or 15 years primarily against the really, really large employers uh, over their 401k plans, where the allegations have been that the employer was not prudent, was not acting in the best interest of their participants. They weren't paying attention to fees and costs. They used investments that perhaps weren't appropriate. And there have been a lot of almost a billion dollars of settlements in those cases, uh, hundreds of cases over the years. So yes, there is some fiduciary responsibility. But again, as Megan suggested, uh, relying on on advisors, relying on financial advisors, accountants, and attorneys to help guide you through the process is really a way to uh, assure yourself that you're not going to uh, be one of these organizations that gets sued. Right, Megan, does your research show that the you know, business owners recognize that they do have this fiduciary duty, or has any of your research shown that that is? been sort of a you know an obstacle for business owners to to get 401k plans because they're concerned about that liability and that responsibility you know our survey from last summer of small business owners didn't dive as deep into the notion of being a fiduciary but it is something that we're looking forward to covering in future research yep fair enough all right so dan let's let's look into the future now um i i promised earlier on i wanted to ask you about um what's coming up next there has been talk and there has been some you know, proposed legislation for a Secure Act 2.0. Am I correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, and actually, the the name Secure 2.0 is kind of the the shorthand name for a bipartisan effort to make further improvements to the to the system. The Secure Act did a lot of good things. But many believe that there's more to be done. And uh, so there have been a number of bills that have already been introduced. And what's likely to happen is sometime later this year, those bills will kind of coalesce into a single bill, which people are, again, for now at least, calling Secure 2.0. So some interesting things that are floating around, uh, for example, 
furthering tax credits for small employers uh, and something that I haven't seen in my uh, over 30 years of working as a, as a lawyer, an actual tax credit for a small employer that would offset the employer contributions. Now, the earlier tax credits we talked about, uh, the startup credit offsets out-of-pocket costs that the employer uh, makes to, or incurs to, uh, to set up a plan. This would actually provide credits as high as $1,000 per employee per year for employer contributions to the plan. So think of an employer that puts in a 401k plan and makes matching contributions. Those matching contributions can be the source of a credit. So in other words, Uncle Sam is is helping to make contributions to the plan. Now that was really amazing. And to see that in a bipartisan bill that was introduced last year is really quite interesting. So we'll 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 watch that one very very carefully. Yeah, that really that that really is an enticing thing. Do you have any you know um, you know President Biden when he was running for office has been talking about changes to four hundred one ks. Right now they're based on pre tax contributions, and um, he's you know has been kind of you know weighing you know some substantial uh, treatment of four hundred one ks whereby Rather than having pre-tax contributions, um, people would get tax credits based on their you know level of contributions to 401ks. And apparently, when you do the math, that benefits you know more lower and middle-income people rather than higher-income people based on the way the tax rates are now. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that or have done any you know any reading on that that you you might want to share. Yeah, that did come up in uh, the Biden campaign, and that that's an idea that has been floating around various think tanks for a while. We don't think there's any appetite in Congress on either side of the aisle to go that route. Rather, uh, in the Secure 2.0 proposals, there is another way to do essentially the same thing, and that is improve an already existing tax credit called the Savers Credit. And this is a credit that individuals get by putting money in a 401k or an IRA. Right now, that credit is fairly limited. It's only $1,000. And if you don't already have federal income tax liability, that credit is non-refundable, meaning the credit doesn't do you any good if you don't otherwise owe federal income tax. Well, one of the proposals out there would make that credit refundable. Uh, you even though you don't have federal income tax, you would get a check from the government. More precisely, the government would put money into the plan or IRA that you contributed to in the first place. And also, there's proposals to to raise the uh, the income thresholds for eligibility for that credit. So rather than a complete overhaul of the system, as has been alluded to uh, by the Biden campaign, which, again, I don't think is going to happen. Uh, what's more likely to happen is improving this existing savers credit, which kind of gets at the same uh, the same idea. Dan Otto is a managing director, and Megan Jacobson is an executive director, both at, director, excuse me, both at J.P. Morgan Chase. And um, both of you guys, if you haven't already, Ron Chernow's book, The House of Morgan, gives an incredible history of the company that you are working at. Um, that goes back. Chernow's the same guy that did Hamilton. So if you haven't read it, I recommend that you guys check it out as employees at J.P. Morgan, which is a great company. But thank you very much both of you guys for joining me. It was really informative information. Uh, My name is Gene Marks. You've been listening to the Paychex Business Series podcast. For more information to help you run your business and advice uh, for running your business better, join us at paychex.com forward slash works. 
Again, my name is Gene Marks, and thanks guys very much for joining us. This podcast is property of Paychex Inc. 2021. All rights reserved.